Hello beautiful people, welcome to Conscious Revolution podcast. I'm your host Shivani and this is the place where we talk about creating a dream life through conscious mindfulness, mindset and manifestation. This week I have a beautiful guest, Kate Rose with me to talk about new age conscious relationships. Apart from being a relationship and life coach, Kate has been writing on love and relationship for years now. Only recently Kate also published her book We Only Fall in Love 3 Times. It's such an absolute delight to have Kate with us today to sit down and talk to us on this very intriguing, eye-opening new age topic. Welcome to Conscious Revolution podcast. I'm so happy to see you here and I'm really really excited to actually talk about this hot topic honestly right now. Uh, <laughs> uh thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. You know that you and I have been talking before and it's it's such an honor to be able to connect yes. with you. Thank you. Yes. Yes, it's such an honor to actually to have you here because as I said, I've been following your work for years and it's an absolute pleasure to actually sit and talk to you about the very things I've read about in your articles. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get to talk about them. It's amazing. Well, and, and the work that you're doing in the area too is incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah, conscious relationships. And I'm very excited to talk about this topic because I do feel that it's such an important topic and yet i see hardly anyone actually talking about it loudly uh, in the mainstream especially um, i don't know it's because the taboo it's because we are supposed to have our relationships put together have our shit together and it's just something which we don't, <laughs> don't want to like uh, talk about uh, why do you think people have this uh, hesitant about, around this topic well, I think, you know, when we're talking about conscious relationships, a big piece is that in conscious relationships, we don't necessarily use the traditional definitions in order to define our relationship status or our feelings or where the relationship is headed. So when we actually are saying, okay, I'm going to sign up, I want to participate in a conscious relationship, we're putting ourselves actually out there for more work because it's a lot harder to define that space with somebody else in a very conscious, open, aware way than to simply say, okay, we're boyfriend, girlfriend, we're fiance, we're, we're engaged, we're married, we're husband and wife, um, you know, we're courting. Any of the number of titles or descriptions that we use, because all I have to say is I have a boyfriend and automatically everybody would get this visual image and picture of, okay, these are all the rules she goes by. This is what a boyfriend does. This is what a, you know, and everybody would have their whole picture figured out. But when we say a conscious relationship, it really opens up a completely different experience. So in a conscious relationship, we actually have to be really vulnerable and we have to be really accountable to be able to describe and speak up for what it is that we need and want in a relationship. So I think overall people, it's, it's maybe a nice idea to say that we don't want titles, but I think it makes people really uncomfortable because then if we're not gonna use a title, then we actually have to step up and be like, okay, this is what I need. Can you meet me? Can you, can you fulfill my needs? Yeah, and I think I would wanna talk about like, how do you think, how important are titles? Uh, I think a lot of us have started to understand that there is so much beyond a title. There's so much beyond a label because soul connections, of course, they transcend all the labels, all the titles, all the human trajectories that we've made, honestly. Uh, so, uh, mm -hmm. What do you think, like, wow, how have we started, like, how have this revolution started to begin? Like, wow, where is it coming from, uh, this idea to now actually start looking for something more? I think that's what I think we all are looking for. Yeah, we are looking for something more. And I think a big piece of wanting something more is either witnessing or looking at the relationships around us, those of our parents or those of older siblings or aunts or, you know, and not necessarily thinking that they're wrong, you know, of course there's some things to look up to, but we don't want to just be with somebody in many times to simply have children. We, you know, especially as women, you know, we are more in the workplace. We are able to support ourselves. So we don't necessarily need a husband to buy us a house. And when you take away all of these pieces, okay, well, 
maybe we'll have children together, maybe we won't, maybe we're gonna travel, you know, let's put our income together, but I don't need you to buy. When we start looking at all of what's happening, then we start realizing, well, if we no longer need, for instance, a man in our lives to financially support us, well, then what do we need him there for? And I think that's where that more is coming in because even the same thing for a man, I mean, many times for men, it was to reproduce, but not all men want to have children now. So now it's like, okay, if I don't necessarily want or need children, even in this moment, what is attracting me about this woman? Why do I need this woman in my life? So I think as we're moving away progressively from the standard definition of what is a relationship that's counted as being forever or committed, and we're moving more towards defining our own lives, we're having to actually realize that that more is what comes when we take away the financial support, when we take away needing someone to raise children in a house and cook. Um, I think most people, you know, we can go out to restaurants and get food. We don't necessarily need the women at home, you know, making everything every day. So it's just that basis of, of newness that's coming in. And so when we're looking at that idea of more, more really means we're searching for that connection. So instead of having it be financial stability or even a family connection being the most important thing to us, a lot of us are really searching for that emotional connection, that emotional fulfillment, which as we know with all of these different types of soulmates and twin flame relationships, emotional connection and intimacy isn't just saying I love you. It's the connection that goes beyond. It's being able to feel understood and feeling like you're there to help each other grow and to challenge one another. So when we're looking at as we're progressing that that's what we're needing, it changes the dynamic completely because if, if our highest priority is that emotional fulfillment, that emotional connection and relationships, then do we actually need to use the same titles that we did when we were searching for financial stability? Yeah, so basically, I think this is what it means, like moving from a codependent paradigm, a codependent relationship to a more like now that we've got our independence and now that we don't need anything to be codependent on, then is there like still love? And I think this is something which has been coming so big for I think many of us and uh, even for me and honestly, like if you actually put around, like take away all the other reasons, what is that one reason why you would want to be with someone? Mm -hmm. Right. So do you think like um, this entire uh, concept of karmic connections, is that like the old way of doing things, the old way of codependent connections uh, and is like twin flames, like the new a revised modern version of this two holes coming together? You know, I, I almost think because if we look at the different types of connections when we're really kind of paring down, you know, what conscious relationships are and we're looking at why do we fall in love with certain people? Um, and, you know, the book that I am sending you, so thank you for your address. Um, so soulmate relationships are those relationships traditionally where it feels like we've known the person before. Um, or it's just at the very least very comfortable. Um, a lot of soulmates tend to fulfill a lot of those childhood needs um, that either they're going to love us in the same way that we were loved as children, um, or we are with our soulmate because it fits that picture of who we should be with according to our family. Um, it might even still provide some of that stability and some of that validation from society as far as the person that we pick. The karmic love I think is something that we're actually getting more into because that, that karmic love is the one that usually comes in for many of us and proves to be this catalyst in many ways, short-lived, whether it's only a few years or a decade, you know, with a marriage, but um, this karmic love comes in and it feels like it's something very different. And then it ends up hurting us in many, many ways because we have to go through so many lessons and we have to be able to stand up for our worth and do so much healing. And then that, you know, that twin flame divine partnership comes in and that's really the ability of two people to be able to connect once they have done so much of their own independent work. And what does it look like to have two people who are committed to growth first? So I think traditionally speaking, a lot of the relationships that we were entering into and kind of just stopping there was the soulmate relationship, was kind of that first love, whether it was because we felt boy down the street who we went to dinner with their parents every week, or whether it was an arranged marriage or whatever the situation was, I feel like in many ways, we kind of all stayed with our soulmates. Um, I feel like, you know, my grandparents, you know, you're with somebody for 70 years and that's about it. And going along with that, that would also kind of coincide with why 
as a collective, we weren't actually growing through our romantic relationships because it would be like we started crawling as babies and then we just stopped. We didn't, we didn't walk, we didn't run, we just stopped at crawling. And that's kind of what those soulmate relationships are. So as society has kept progressing and collectively we've been moving, we've seen people move into the karmic relationships, which, you know, that kind of blows the window wide open on everything. And then once we're, you know, once we've been shattered and we've put our new pieces back together differently, that's kind of what ushers in that, that twin flame divine partnership. So I think it's really interesting to look at that progression and what that feels like for us as a society and, and a collective to really recognize that we're moving way beyond the relationship that most of our parents and grandparents had. And that's where it also gets difficult where, you know, whether we want to have a marriage like our grandparents or not, we still love them, you know? And so it, that gets to be difficult because we don't necessarily want to do something that goes completely against our entire family, but it's also that piece of if they stopped at their soulmate relationship, what is the likelihood that they could actually understand us moving towards this divine partnership? And that's why it ends up becoming so important for us to be able to self-validate so that we're not relying on other people telling us that we're doing the right thing or the good thing for us. Yeah, so it's mostly like a gateway for evolution, for spiritual evolution, which I think we all mm -hmm. so desperately have needed for the, for the longest time. A long time, <laughs> a long time. And I think every country, no matter where we live, we all needed that. And, and that's exactly what it is. I think that's what originally kind of drew me into the arena of relationships is that um, I actually, I have a degree in counseling and I, I began working with people as like a life coach. And within kind of the first year, I realized that we couldn't actually talk about their life direction, their life path without bringing in the romantic relationship. Because if you're having issues at work, if you're confused about your direction, it's showing up in your relationship. So then I started realizing, okay, if I ask about the relationship first, I basically can get a really great idea and picture of where everybody is in their whole life. Yeah. Because whatever patterns we have in our romantic relationship, whether it's unfulfillment, even if it's like the best possible romantic relationship, if we keep dating the same person, we're going to end up seeing those same qualities play out in other areas of our lives. And I think that's just what's so amazing is that whatever we're doing in our romantic realm of our lives, whether it's a marriage or dating or relationship or even how we feel about ourselves, it's such a great lens to be able to see where we actually are at in our lives and in our spiritual journey and in our evolution. Because there's, we can, we can kind of lie to ourselves a little bit better in our careers, but we can't really lie to ourselves in that realm of romance. It, yeah. You know, that the out. <laughs> I, I, I think this is more like reversing the whole lens of seeing things from a place like um, how can this person or this relationship open up avenues like I think we've had this thing to like kind of have our shit together in all areas of our life and then we'll be ready for this perfect relationship. I don't know if it's something to do with a grave but that's something which I see a lot of people around me having this, including me, I've had it for the longest time. Absolutely. You kind of like have this, uh, or maybe I think, of course, now I understand better. So it's about not feeling yourself worthy enough of love because you're not successful enough, you're not rich enough, you're not uh, beautiful enough, whatever those objectives are, right? So I think- The enough. Yeah, the enoughs, right? So just reversing the whole lens on that aspect and being, and I think maybe like using, I don't know if using is the right word, but actually using that, this another soul, this relationship, this assignment as a catalyst to our growth instead of using our growth to please this another relationship. That makes sense, right? Well, it does. And, and what you're really talking about too is just that idea of taking away um, how do we identify who we are? How do we identify our worthiness and deserving? Do we identify it for ourselves based on ourselves or are we doing it for a person or with a person? And so when we're looking at what that means, then a lot of the times, and what I tell people that they don't always want to hear is, you know, if we can't actually feel good about ourselves when it's just us, whether we're single or we're just happen to have a night alone, um, if we can't feel good about us, if we can't give ourselves that love and that care and that validation and that peace, we're never gonna actually feel it in a relationship. 
because if we keep looking for other people, I actually told a gentleman that I was speaking to uh, the other week about this. And I, I told him, I said, as long as you're looking to all these other people to fill you up, I said, you're always going to be empty. Because it's just that piece, whether it is feeling beautiful, whether it is feeling worthy, whether it is feeling like we have enough together or whatever it may be, as long as we're asking someone else to fill our cup, one, we're introducing that codependent relationship because now we're dependent upon somebody. So is it really love? Now we're dependent upon somebody to make sure that not only we feel good about ourselves, but that we know our place in the world. And so then you have to wonder, okay, what is the difference between dependency and love? And so sometimes in those situations, it gets a little bit confusing. And that's why if we actually can fill our own cup, then when we're going into a connection with somebody, we already know that they might make our cup overflow, but they're not actually responsible for us feeling how we do about ourselves. Um, you know, and then there's also that piece of with relationships, not necessarily looking at a relationship, you know, for that lens of growth that a relationship is meant to, to last forever. I think that sometimes a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves and a lot of guilt I've worked with so many people over where whether it is dating or whether it's an engagement or a marriage and it starts to look like this isn't where one or both people should be. And it, they, everybody takes it personally because now we've built our, our worth on this relationship. We've built who we are upon being the partner or the wife or the husband of this other person. And so when the relationship starts to fall apart or simply just be aware that it's over, that the time has already been kind of the purpose served, we take that onto ourselves instead of looking at, okay, it's not necessarily a failure if a relationship ends. It's actually kind of a really beautiful thing because if a relationship is ending, it means that we're ready to transition to a new version of ourselves. And yeah. so if we're using that lens of growth and saying, okay, whatever relationship I enter into, whatever I choose to go into is for the purpose of growth, not for self-identity, not for self-validation, not to feel worthy or beautiful or sexy or any of those things. If it's only for growth, then if and when it does end, we can just simply be grateful. We can express our gratitude and we can move on to whatever is next in our life without making the other person feel bad and also without carrying all that weight on ourselves, which can then affect future relationships. Yeah, and I absolutely love that uh, this, because we all know how it feels like to cling on to a relationship or to another person mm -hmm. for your own happiness. And when you get that sense of detachment, that freedom, it's relieving. But at the same time, I just feel so many people listening and feeling like a little triggered maybe, or maybe asking, is it like too bad to want a happily ever after or to desire? Because I, I think at the core, we do desire to, to have a companion for life. Like, is it something like, quote unquote, wrong spiritually? Because I know spirituality places a lot of emphasis on detachment, especially Buddhism, right? To kind of like, uh, solitude and detachment and being your own person right and of course I have been so much into that trajectory and I the clients even that those I'm working with right now I see so many people like really willing to open themselves to love to new experiences I think I'm kind of like combining two questions together here but also, <laughs> no, it's okay. but also really like not understanding how to do that because they have been so detached and into their own energy for such a long time so one it's never bad to want a partner for life but there is a difference between wanting a happily ever after versus wanting a life partner because even when we are kind of having that mindset of I want a happily ever after, that denotes a particular picture. That denotes usually labels. That, that, yeah, and it's like, okay, well, once we say I do, then everything is going to be wonderful. And actually, when uh, my, my first marriage, um, you know, you have like little wedding favors. And it actually, on my wedding favors, it said happily ever after. Because that's, that's what it was. And so I got married. I had the beautiful wedding. I had the little wedding favors that even said happily ever after. And I got a house and I had a baby. And that was like the first three years. And it was like, okay, now what? Now, now what am I, what are we going to do? And, you know, that happened to be an unhealthy relationship. Um, my karmic one. 
But, you know, moving through that, it's just that realization of sometimes even having that language that is unconsciously kind of programmed into us about happily ever after, we can be with a life partner, but it's not the same thing as happily ever after. Because to actually get to that forever, no matter what the connection is, no matter what the divine partnership, it does take a lot of work. It takes work and it takes that compromise. And most of all, it takes that acceptance for ourselves. Um, you know, not taking things personally. So there's a lot that goes into actually having that forever relationship, but it is a normal human inclination. We don't want to, most of us, experience life completely by ourselves. We want to be able to share moments and we are social creatures. I always, you know, a lot of times people will come to me and they will feel, they'll feel bad for saying that they need someone. And I always joke that, you know, other than, you know, the children's story, the jungle book, nobody is dropped off in the middle of the woods and expected to raise ourselves. You know, we, we have families, we have teachers, we have school, we have friends, we have siblings, we have car mechanics and cooks at the restaurant. Like we are social people. We rely on other people. Yeah. So, you know, we should never feel badly for needing somebody because in reality, that's actually our entire way of being. We needed adults to care for us and feed us. We needed people to love us and to play with us when we were children. So that idea of need that is completely natural and normal does sometimes get this fear wrapped up into it, which I think actually happens when we have spent a lot of time in solitude or when we have spent a lot of time single, because if there is that negative connotation where if we need somebody, and then something happens that can be taken away from us. And so we don't actually wanna say that we need anybody because if we need somebody, then we fear that we could lose that and then what happens? And, and so- such a toxic fear, honestly, to live it. Right, well, it is. And then, I, I mean, honestly, the more that we're afraid of losing something, the less we're gonna actually be able to be open and receive it because we're gonna be so afraid of losing it. So and it's almost- the end of manifesting like, it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like having the worst case scenario happen before you get to even enjoy like the best part of yeah. life. Yeah. But there there is that balance between moving into, and this is what I think is so great about conscious relationships, because there is such a different connection that's present in our romantic relationships after we have spent time on our own. Whether it's I mean, I've even known people who've had their alone time while, you know, in a relationship or, you know, that technical yeah. partnership. Um, and they have been, that's when they had their period of aloneness, um, where they had more solitude, where they really thought about what they wanted. But whatever that particular phase looks like for any of us, when we're in that situation where we are more by ourselves and we're able to focus more on our healing, the great thing is, is that during that time, we're also able to focus on more of what we need out of a relationship, which means if we're at that space, then we're able to actually vocalize that and have that conversation with a partner in a conscious relationship because we've done that work before. So we know that maybe we need more alone time, even in a relationship, which is okay. It means that maybe, you know, we don't necessarily need the conventional things, whatever it may be. So when we have that time to ourselves and then we enter into that conscious relationship, it's actually more beneficial because we're more likely to hang on to who we are rather than kind of melding into who our partner in the past had wanted us to be. Yeah, and, and, and I think that requires work. That requires a lot of self-work and inner work, which I think somewhere has been like Hollywood movies or Bollywood movies or any of those robes. <laughs> yes. None of them really ever showed me the, that work part. It was always, and I think that's just so ingrained in us to kind of like expect and see and want things to be just like, oh, things, we, we need not work into any of the same, which is why I think I began this podcast by saying relationship is something which people don't want to talk about, work on relationship, counseling on relationship, coaching on relationship. I feel people in the West are still becoming a lot more open to it. And India, it's still a taboo, honestly. Uh, but to really get into that place to be like, we are developing we are evolving and we need to work and i think do not expect and do not have this rosy picture that because i think we just want it like as you said happily ever after we just have it ingrained when you say i do i do yeah. 
and because you've gone through that entire process so i think now you just like you you can say it out loud that it doesn't work that way uh but for people who haven't gone through that there's somewhere like once you say i do it's kind of like this rosy picture and so when i have seen so many connections uh actually dropping out actually getting triggered most importantly because they feel why does this thing require work you know exactly. isn't everything supposed to be supernatural like let it be naturally and the thing is of course we need to surrender to the universe at some point but mm-hmm. we need that inner work on ourselves on the connection because i think maybe it's just a new way of relationship which we've never seen before we've never seen our parents working on their relationships in the journal no, i mean in, in nobody you know in even that language i went my um, my cousin got married last last summer and i we were at the wedding and i loved because during the ceremony they both mentioned as part of their vows to one another that you truly help make me be able to be a better person and i just was like wow like you never heard that at wedding yeah. ceremonies Yeah, you know, even yeah. traditional wedding ceremonies, nobody ever talked about, is this relationship actually allowing me to be me? Is this relationship fostering my best self? And so I'm super excited. I love hearing this. I think it's absolutely amazing. Um, but the whole thing too about that, that ease piece, because the connection should come easy. The love. The connection, of course. So those things should come easy, but... if the relationship is actually easy itself then it means you're not being challenged which means you're also not going to grow yeah so if you are you know if you're experiencing this amazing connection if you have this love and this affection and this attraction usually for somebody and then it's also really uncomfortable and it challenges you a ton and you get frustrated a lot and you kind of want to leave but you know you can't leave because you know if you leave you're going to actually even not come back then that's actually perfect that's fantastic because now you found somebody where the love is easy the connection is easy and now you actually have to work at being the person who can actually be in this connection with this person and that's kind of the perfect recipe for that amazing love and that ability to do self work yeah i love that so much i think that is something which is so perfect but because we've been given we've been like literally handed this manual of how it needs to look like that we're really afraid to even dip our toes into this kind of a relationship which really challenges that which really challenges us to work on ourselves or to evolve spiritually because as i said whoever did that but now we are literally being like faced uh thrown these relationships in our life connections in our life to actually go through these things and be like okay this actually is possible and this is actually so much better than actually having a connection which is like there for all the other reasons except love right mm. so uh i also wanted to kind of like uh, talk a little bit about where like how i know some people as i said want to like get open to a relationship but don't know uh when do you really get to say you're ready for a conscious relationship because you said it requires a little bit amount of self work reflection how do you really become like okay i've done it and i'm ready though i know ready is an illusion but still <laughs> right <laughs> i know it's <laughs> it's i it's, i think it's so fun having these conversations because we'll say things and then we're like but wait we know it's an illusion but you know we're still going to say it and that's you know it's still the language that we use so that is kind of the biggest question to know okay how do i know if i am ready you know quote unquote ready for a conscious relationship now readiness really is just for me when i look at it and i'm working with people readiness is really the choice to not let fear hold us back any longer so you know it's not as if you know a flower is ready to be picked once it's blooming we're always blooming so we are not flowers we don't have this one particular perfect time period in which everything's going to align and come together for us readiness is simply the choice to not be ruled by fear so when we make that choice you know and fear is not just you know oh my god what's going to happen fear is fear of receiving fear of being let down fear of not being understood <clears throat> so when we actually are able to move past that level of fear it actually comes from having done 
and started the work for ourselves. And so what that looks like is, can we pinpoint our wounds? Because there's never this magical point for any of us, no matter how long we're on this journey where we will wake up in the morning and we'll say, I'm healed. I'm, I'm completely healed. No, we will be in healing for the rest of our lives. Um, and even, you know, clients that I work with, I, I, I'll tell them, I was like, when what's going to happen, and they see this when so fantastic, is that the same trigger will happen. But once you are in that state of healing, you will then have a different reaction to it. Yes, yes. When we, when we are in that, that phase of healing, when we can kind of pinpoint our wounds, not just the ones that we're currently experiencing, but for every single one of us, it may be cliche, but it's true. Every single one of us, at least a few of our wounds go back to childhood. Yeah. So we have to, you know, we have to be able to admit and be able to describe what that was like um, and be able to be able to move past that when we're looking at being ready for that relationship, having the awareness of our wounds is essential because otherwise, if not, we're going to keep projecting our hurt onto other people and blaming them. The other piece is we have to have at least some practice in reacting differently. The other piece that's really important is we need to be able to have conscious conversation, which comes from doing that work with ourselves. So when we're having conversations with people, a big piece of conscious relationships is how we communicate. So instead of being like, you know, one, if someone didn't text us back, you know, instead of flying off the handle, blocking them, being like, well, you didn't call me, you didn't do this. So right away, we're accusing, right away, we're basically triggering that other person that now they're not showing up and meeting our needs. It would either one, have us not take it personally, which is huge but it would be able to have us vocalize our needs that, you know, one, did something happen? Is that person okay? And then two, it would come down to, I understand that life happens, but for me as a personal need, I need to have someone be able to know that they are consistent with their words and with, with what they say they're going to do. So I know life happens, but in the future, if you couldn't call me back or if it was delayed, could you please let me know? And when we're saying those kinds of conversation, it feels awkward at first because we're, we're saying a lot of words. We're saying a lot of words and we're putting a lot out there and we're being really open about it. Um, it would also be like, you know, if we, if we disagree with someone, if we're having feelings about it and saying, you know, if I'm taking this wrong, please correct me. So it's really opening up this entire new dialogue of talking and being able to say what it is that we need from somebody, what it is we're actually feeling. So if it feels like we're being triggered, it's quite honestly having that. I had a conversation recently in which we both were, you know, we were able to joke about it later, but both of us got triggered from this conversation and being able to say, this is why I got triggered. And then being able to take that step back and say, okay, but now is not then. And so when we have all of those pieces together, the awareness of our wounds, the ability to react differently to triggers, being able to be open and having that conscious communication, then it comes down to, okay, honestly, do you have the time in your life to give to a conscious relationship? Do you have that time? You know, not necessarily every day, but if we're being conscious and aware, a big piece is not just about what am I gonna get, but what do I have to give? Do we have time to give, not just to seeing one another, but to helping each other grow? Do we have time to give to have these usually longer conscious conversations about what it is we're feeling, what it is we need, where it is we want to grow? And it takes time. It actually truly takes time to build and develop a conscious relationship. So we have to have that reality of a check-in. So if we, you know, for instance, are starting a business and in, you know, grad school or, you know, our parents are ill, even though we might want a relationship, we might not actually have the time to devote to that. And so being honest about that with ourselves and the person that we're, we're engaging with is a big part of it. Because even if it's the absolute right person, if one or neither people have that time to devote to it, then there's really no point in kind of moving forward with it until that time is made. So you're on mute. Is this, what, is this what divine timing is? 
this is really that piece of divine timing. And I, I really love that idea because there's so much of things that we can actually have control over in our lives. But just because we have control over them doesn't mean that it's actually going to be that divine timing. And there's so many times in our lives, and I, I love talking with people, and it's like, well, now is the perfect time. If it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. And I'm like, well, how do you know? Are you the universe? Like, how do you know now is the perfect time? Um, it's our egos that say that. It's because we don't want to have to wait longer for a relationship. It's because we don't want to have to be single again. It's because we want that person to love us as we love them. So there's a big difference between us being like, okay, now or never, it's the perfect time versus the universe letting us know that, okay, now is the right time. And so there has to be that trust because again, conscious relationships aren't just about being more aware. It's not just about having a healthier relationship or even growth. It's also about that connection to spirit. And so as long as we're pushing our ego in all of this, then we're never actually going to be able to tune into spirit. And so to tune into spirit, one, yes, we have to surrender, but that means we have to surrender that maybe the person we thought for us wasn't for us. Maybe the timing that we thought isn't the time that we thought. Maybe we're not as ready as we actually feel. Yeah, maybe we have a lot of lessons to learn. And so to be able to actually surrender our ego and be like, I, I know nothing but what I know in this moment. And that takes a lot of trust because if we're surrendering, if we're admitting that we don't know, in order to take the place of that, we also have to have faith in higher beings or higher power or, you know, deities that we are being guided in this life, no matter what we do. And do you think, as you said, like spirit plays a very important role in conscious relationships. So do you mm -hmm. think like, and as you said, trust as well. So do you think, uh, your spiritual connection with the divine and the other person's connection with the divine also plays a very huge, a very important role in your connection. Uh, because uh, a lot of times, so again, how does it look like? Because I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this might be might like more spiritual and people they're engaging with are not that spiritual. So what does that mm -hmm. spiritual connection looks like? I and I know for, for one that I don't want to put it like because people have this judgment once they get into spirituality. Oh my God, I'm a vegan and I sage five times. And, I have and this other person is not into all this shiz. So, so yeah, how does that spiritual connection? Really like and I love, well, and I love that you even say that because I mean, that's the whole reality too is that I mean yes you can definitely be vegan you can definitely sage use crystals but that doesn't actually mean that you can be spiritual that just means that you're more new agey um you know so there's that difference of a lot of spiritual people will tend to do those things um but if you truly are one spiritual you're not going to actually judge somebody for not being what you are yeah. um but other hand in a relationship that does have a spiritual connection there also has to be this commonality um, in Christianity terms there is that phrase of being equally yoked and it's a really odd term you know I, I think of yoke and you know I, right away I think of eggs but you know it's there's the basis and the truth of it is it there's a commonality there and I like that idea even though I, I am not a actual practicing Christian, I, I like that idea of the commonly yoked because it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to believe the same exact thing, um, but it does mean that you believe in something. It means that both people are accepting, that they're willing to learn, and that they're allowing the other person to be themselves. Um, it means that there's not one person that's super far ahead on their journey, so they're dragging the other person behind, you know, or I, the, the idea of the equally yoked, especially for spiritual relationships, I feel like is really, really important because regardless of if the beliefs are exactly the same, regardless of if the practicing of it is even exactly the same, there is that, that acceptance and that, okay, we're, we're on this journey together, which really kind of emphasizes the conscious relationship, which really the conscious relationship is about partnership. So we can't actually have partnership if there's not an equality amongst us. And that doesn't mean that we're the same. It doesn't mean that we're good at all the same things or we're bad at all the same things, but there's a complementary nature in partnerships. And so that's kind of what that idea of spirituality amongst a conscious relationship looks like. 
because both people should be able to learn from the other person. Um, whether it's in terms of, okay, you can use Sage to clear your space, or maybe the other person is going to teach them about, you know, we can accept people and, you know, we can love each other without promising forever and still end up being there forever. So, you know, both people can teach each other different things about what it means to have a spiritual basis for your relationship. But the most biggest difference that I feel like that's really important is that no matter how much we love somebody, no matter how amazing it is, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficult times. And if we don't feel like we have spirit in our connection, then it seems like during those hard times, there's also not something to necessarily lean on. There's not something to believe in. And so having that spiritual basis, whatever the practice is, whether it is a religion, whether it is a more spiritual belief, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, um, having that, that sense of spiritual connection is really beneficial with the relationship because many times to believe in spirit, it's going to ask you the same things of, can you believe in your partner as well? Yes, because there's, true. No, there's no guarantee of either. Um, spirit, you don't, we don't ask spirit to prove itself to us. Um, we can't ask our partner to prove itself to us. We can't quantify defy the love we have and feel from spirit. We can't do the same thing with our partner. Um, spirit can't give us a plan and say, this is exactly what's going to happen for the rest of your life. Neither can our partner. So there's a lot of similarities between what does it mean to surrender and invite in spirit and also surrender to the connection that we're feeling with our partner. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Absolutely, such an important integral part is your spiritual journey. No wonder right now at this moment of time and space, we're talking about this, all right? Mm -hmm. So uh, when we have this uh, conscious, and I think that's what you said, right? Have, if you do not have the divine in this divine partnership, then it makes no sense, right? I know it's also for what I have learned so far, it's about seeing the divine. And I think, be it your twin flame, whatever label you want to use for that matter. But I think uh, it's the entire lesson of spirituality of the new age is to move into unity consciousness, to see the divine in every human being. And I feel that it starts with that divine partnership when, because it's just, it just comes so naturally to see them with love, to see them without any judgments, to see them with the divineness. And how can you really move this feeling this lesson into every other relationship, every other assignment which comes into your life, right? So how would you like, uh, and this probably might be my last question to you, but uh, when you said that it shouldn't be like one person is very far ahead and they are dragging the other person down. What if it's mm -hmm. a divine relationship? We know there's mirroring, definitely, right? Yes, so, there is. <laughs> so, yeah, and which is why, we trigger the hell out of each other, right? When we mirror yeah, each other. Exactly. Right? So uh, when you said that maybe there's not enough time, there's not enough space, and maybe you're not ready enough, so as to say, uh, is, that, is that like also a way for us to understand that maybe even I am not ready? Uh, because many times mm -hmm. I feel a group would want to just like uh, put the blame on the other person. They're not ready. They're not awakened. All that blah 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 story, uh, but how can we like really take responsibility at that time and just understand that uh, this is a divine partnership, and there is something mirroring, and maybe that we are somewhere on the same page, even if I don't, even if it doesn't look like the way I want it to look like. It's so interesting, and because I I really love I love this in particular because I think it's so important to look at and talk about and really be aware of. Um, one, that aspect of responsibility, because on this journey to become a better self, to become more healed, what we will traditionally do is many of us start off and we say, well, that person's toxic. They're not good for us. And that it's that person, they're emotionally unavailable. And well, that person could never have a committed relationship. But if we looked at the fact that everything that we're saying about other people is actually true for ourselves then we have a better window. We don't actually always see ourselves, especially when we're just beginning this journey of how we're actually projecting ourselves and what our energy is. Um, there was many times or like long time ago where I was like, I'm totally ready 
And now I'm like, wow, I was completely avoiding intimacy, but I thought I was completely ready in that moment. And then complaining about, okay, why is he not emotionally available? It's because I wasn't, you know, I mean, I was closed off completely. And so I think having that awareness that one, we will mirror each other. And so if a divine partnership is not coming together and we want it to in that moment, whatever the other person is doing that is bothering us, we have to look at and just pause and recognize and really be willing to go deep, face some really uncomfortable truths about ourselves and look at, are we doing that? Are we afraid of entering into partnership because of our worthiness? Are we still holding on to pieces of our past? Have we actually moved forward? Are we living our truth? And so there is especially that mirroring and it holds true. Fear plays such a big part in the mirroring, um, but we have to always be willing. And I think that's where that trust comes in, where if a divine partnership isn't coming together, one, it's actually an opportunity to look at ourselves and figure out what are we going into this situation with truly at, you know, and then two, trusting, okay, just because it's not coming together now, if this is actually a divine partnership, if we are meant together, meant to be together, one, my favorite part of divine partnerships is there's absolutely nothing you can ever do to ruin it. Nothing. And I actually know from personal experience, I tried to ruin mine so much. <laughs> so you cannot do anything to ruin it. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how wounded you are, how triggered you are, the wrong choice or wrong choice, apparently wrong, whatever you do, you will never be able to mess up the relationship with your divine partnership if you're in fact meant to be together in this lifetime. So if people are not coming together, one, look at ourselves and try to use that as an opportunity to go deeper. Trust absolutely that if it's going to come together, it will. And also it's okay to let go. We don't need to have control over the timing of when we come together. We don't need to have control over how it's going to happen. A lot of times we get so worried and so anxious about how to make something happen when, especially for these divine partnerships, all we really have to do is be ourselves. And when the time, that divine time has happened, when both people have done enough of their work, it'll happen. And it won't be as nearly as difficult as we actually made it out to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that so much. And I think it's actually the perfect note to end this podcast on because it just, it feels happily ever after. I'm sorry to use that. <laughs> but I generally ever after in this moment, in this moment. Yeah, but I generally believe like if, some like really putting it in perspective and comparing it to all the old kind of relationships that this planet has actually seen through literally things were not working and love was literally not the reason why because of which people were coming together and so i feel this is as they say sometimes it's a twin flame experiment uh which was divinely orchestrated to kind of like awaken people through love and so if we see it like that and uh, we really can see how it is actually an opportunity for us to grow, to evolve and to not really resist it because at times we don't even understand what we're resisting love, right? And so, which is, I'm saying like, it sounds actually happily ever after because we put in that work and uh, which actually nobody has. And somewhat, I mean, I, on, and honestly, if anybody who has been going through their spiritual awakening slash healing, uh, we have been clearing a lot of our ancestral trauma as well. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. generations have never cleared it up, right, before. Mm -hmm. So in a way, of course, when we've put in so much of work, uh, it might, I mean, how they say, right, bringing heaven to earth. It is. I mean, I actually, uh, the other day, one of like the little quotes that I had written came up with and I, it's like one of my favorites. I love it so deeply and it, it's love them deep enough that their ancestors can feel it. That's so beautiful. That's There's so, beautiful. so much healing and love that we actually can bring to one another and to this planet simply by choosing to love differently. Yeah. And I think that is what most of the people who have been incarnated at this time and age and are actually going through such connections and experiences. That's what our purpose, that's what our soul's purpose has been to actually live through this. Like it seems, honestly, it's so funny how I see so many people honestly on social media reacting to these stories and experiences. It's just turning out to be so much bigger than anybody could have ever thought. Like mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, it's so, uh, 
yeah, just another connection. And I'm just seeing like everybody's like, it's just bigger than you could ever think of. Like how big is it's like how when every single person takes responsibility for themselves to heal, to love, and that ripple effects just goes through and the mass level revolution it causes. It's amazing. I think um, it's incredible. Definitely what we need. I think most right now is love <laughs> more than ever before. So yeah, this was such a beautiful conversation, Kate. I absolutely love it. It was so free-flowing. Uh, I definitely did not refer to any of the questions I had written because it was so divinely in flow. And uh, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom with and sharing it with all of us uh, because I definitely am a big ambassador of having these conversations where I... I, at one point, needed these conversations so much mm -hmm. around me and I did not see them happening. And so uh, if anybody is in this place, and I, I really would love to be a catalyst for someone's growth. And I hope this conversation really opens doors to people uh, to kind of like feel relieved, one. <laughs> And to really take responsibility for their own love and for their own healing. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was so wonderful, Shivani. Thank you so much. And like I said, I can't wait. I know someday I will be in India and I'll get to meet you in person. So that will be wonderful too. I am definitely so excited for that day because it's going to be so <laughs> Thank you. And I really hope to thank see you so much. in the future. Yes, I agree completely. Well, that was Kate. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you want to reach out to Kate, you can check out her on Instagram at Words of Kate Rose, or you can check her out on wordsofkaterose.com, which is her website, her blog. And if you guys enjoyed this, or if you have any feedback to give it to me, please send me an email at info at the It's always such a beautiful pleasure to go through your feedbacks, to go through your suggestions and to go through your appreciation. And uh, if you want to support this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. And I will see you guys next week with another very inspirational podcast. So till then, please take good care of yourself and have a beautiful week ahead. I love you so much.